This is Jennifer Lyons, also known as Bud Bundy's girlfriend, Ariel, and you're listening to the Married with Children podcast. Mom, do you think Dad's safe from the tornado? Oh, honey, I'm sure he's protected by his cone of smell. (laughs) Yeah, but what if it's like the Wizard of Oz? Julie, what are you thinking? Daddy's going to get sucked up by a tornado, spin around in the air, and then land smack on some wicked witch? (laughs) I'll get you, my pretty. Let's rock. Can I get a woven? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Hi, welcome back to the Married with Children podcast. I'm Stephen. I am your civil defense podcast block captain. So you need to do exactly what I say. <laughs> and I'm Tyler, and in case of tornadoes or other bad weather, head to my room. Safe place, nothing's happening there. And I'm Stefan, and I'm not going anywhere until I get lucky. We are reviewing Twister, the season premiere of season, season 11. It first aired on September 28, 1996, directed by Jerry Cohen, written by Richard Gurman. Guest starring Harold Sylvester as Griff, Jennifer Lyons as Ariel, Donna Pironi as Sandy, Christine Moore as Gorgeous Woman, and Stephen Shembaum as Scarecrow. There's a twister coming. Take this walkie-talkie. You call us if you need help. Oh, you know what? I better take this one, too, just in case this one breaks, right? Married with Children, season premiere, followed by Love and Marriage, Saturday. This was an interesting one because, just to let everyone know, that uh, when this Mary Children premiered, it aired on a Saturday at 9 p.m. The time slot was t- was changed. Hmm. I guess it. I guess it got blown to a different time slot. Probably. Tyler, tell us a little bit about season 11. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so season 11 is. Uh, we were talking about this a little off mic, um, but the show is beginning to get more. I'm going to call it visual rather than verbal, which can be a good or a bad thing. But with a show so well-written as Married with Children that relies on good comedic timing with gags, visual means to me that the... could mean two things. One, the characters are... the actors and the creators are beginning to feel a little... mm, disattached from it and are just kind of going with the motions and not really putting their whole heart into it or are trying to experiment with a different way to take the show now that because uh, there's only so many ways you can write jokes over and over and over again and now want to take the show into a different place whether or not they thought the show was going to continue is still up for debate but with the amount of energy that's in this episode, I'm going to say that the that it's the latter, not the former. That they are trying to take it into a different place. You know, I remember the interview with Jennifer Lyon, and she, who plays Ariel. And in the interview, she mentioned being in this particular episode. She had a good time. She loved everybody. But I remember her saying something to the effect that it seems like they're, you know, once they quit, they were like, you know, they seem like they were done with everything, not just this episode, but the show. 
And I'm pretty sure these guys were burned out about this, uh, about their characters over and over and over every week. Because I know some uh, actors get burned out on a role. Specifically the kids. Um, with Bud and Kelly, uh, Dave, I'm sorry, Dave Faustino and Christine Applegate getting older. They have been on the show since uh, childhood, and now they are becoming seasoned actors and probably wanting to, you know, go into a different direction. And the other actors, uh, Ed O'Neill, Katie Segal, Harold Sylvester, and, um, you know, all the other supporting role characters they probably wanted to move out too. It must be very uh, locked into it. And, you know, but at the same time, it's a living wage. You're on a popular sitcom. It's, I can see getting stuck in neutral to be, to use a better phrase. Also, I can definitely see that. And a couple of real other things here I wanted to point out is that uh, this is now Fox moved their time slot to a Saturday at nine o'clock. Now, when the network does that, that's usually a sign they are trying to kill it. And the show this year, it has at least, uh, the time slot changes at least three times. I was doing that when I was looking at the history of Married with Children and doing those daily updates on the, our Facebook page. And I think that's interesting because that's when, if you know your audience can't find it, they're not going to be as loyal. And the ratings were already dropping. And one last thing is that uh, I mentioned you, to you, Tyler, this before we got started. You talk about being Looney Tunes. It's not Looney Tunes to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in a negative way, though. Uh, Looney Tunes is great. When you, have, okay, when you have a live action show and you want to go Looney Tunes... Totally. I'm always down for that. But you got to make that uh, an enhancement, not the overall, you know, backdrop. And you, uh, even when the show is Looney Tunes, it still was centered around, you know, the family and doing very specific things. And then all of a sudden, um, Al would have a garden out of nowhere. And that would be, and and he would literally be doing, you know, wascally rabbit th- tricks. Uh, but there would still, but the whole point was he was going crazy and having stress and everything. It wasn't just like I'm going to do this now. Yes, it was still yeah. even that was somewhat grounded. Someone gets stressed and they find a hobby like gardening. Yeah, it's very yeah, it was it was down. very grounded. Unlike this one, which <laughs> no pun intended is everyone's getting thrown off the ground. That's right. Um, This one's called Twisted, and it was actually the third one film, the third uh, episode film for the season. And you can see it's really getting carried away. Uh, Now, the title, Tyler, where did that title come from, Twisted? Well, Twisted came from the title of the 1996 movie Twister. It's an epic disaster film directed by Jean de Bonnet from a screenplay by Michael Crichton, uh, Jurassic Park's fame, and Anna Marie Martin. Its executive producers were Steven Spielberg, Walter Parks, Laurie McDonald, and General and Gerald. I'm sorry, <clears throat> and Gerald R. Molen. The film stars Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Jamie Gertz, and Carrie Elways, and depict inconceivable. <laughs> 
exactly. <laughs> no, he doesn't say that. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tyler. And depicts a group of storm chasers researching tornadoes during a severe outbreak in Oklahoma. Twister grossed $495.5 million worldwide. It became the second highest grossing film of 1996. Now, Twister is a great reference to this show because much like Twister, it's got very little plot uh, for meat on its bones and relies heavily on visual effects and adrenaline pumping scenes. Much like this episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I want to say a couple, uh, a couple more things is that, yes, a lot of it was filmed in Oklahoma. And I, a friend of mine got to be an extra in it. I didn't, but uh, my friend Kelly did. And in what uh, what scene? He was in the uh, drive-in scene when the tornado wrecks the drive-in. Oh, I love that yeah, scene. That's a good scene. And so, of course, it's packed in the theaters in my state. I just moved back to Oklahoma from Kentucky and started my first associate pastoring job. No, wait a minute. That was a no, that was the, after my first year. So, yeah, I was actually out near just moved to Woodward, and I wanted to take time to see this movie. I thought it was really well done despite a lot of inaccuracies and the, one of the reasons why they filmed it in oklahoma is because well we are part of tornado alley and some of the strongest tornadoes have been recorded in my, in my state more in central oklahoma there's a town there called moore and man it has been hit like four to- three times since 1999 Sounds like God's trying to tell you well, something, Stephen. Maybe you should yeah. get out of Oklahoma. And, well, that's over and more, and which is a lot flatter than the Tulsa area and what we call green country. And this was something unique with season 11 where we start the show before the opening credits. A fat woman hedgehogged her way into the shoe store today. <laughs> Popcorn air freshener. <laughs> that could only mean one thing. Bundy night, night at the, the movies! Pig, <laughs> oh, you even got the floor sticky just like at the theater. <laughs> you know what else we do at the theater? You're not going to put M&Ms in your lap and make me hunt for them. <laughs> By the time I get there, they melted and it gets all gooey. Well, you know, if you get there sooner, they'd melt in your mouth. <laughs> oh, Peg, it just doesn't get any better than this. I owe you one. Well, maybe after the movie's out. No, I said, oh, Peg, as in not pay. <laughs> Dead. Hey, do you have anything I could use to create the impression we're having a terrible windstorm? Yes, but he's sitting on it. <laughs> See, my date really gets turned on by scary situations. Apparently taking his clothes off isn't enough. <laughs> so I decided to create a fake tornado. You know, my own little natural disaster. Ooh, like one of your hand lotion tsunamis? <laughs> now let's not tease Bud. He might turn out weird. <laughs> you know, I 
really did see something on Oprah that said women really do get turned on by life-threatening situations. I know I do. Yeah, me too. And why don't you go upstairs and slip into a dry cleaning bag, see what that does for us. <laughs> mm, I'm getting all hot just thinking about it. And you wonder why I have problems with women. <laughs> no, we don't. don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I didn't like that. Mm. Me neither. Me neither. And that's that's called that's referred to as a cold opening. Yeah. And Peg comes in, and this is um, she has been gone for most of season ten. She shows up in the very last episode. Thank God. Yeah. I'm glad to see her back. Frankly, I don't remember much about that intro. I thought it was kind of a weak introduction. Let's say the intro is to give the idea of why Bud is in the basement in the first place. And again, this is... i They don't need this. They don't need this at all. The idea that I completely forgot until Kelly, halfway through the episode, they're wa- Kelly and um, Peg are watching the news and... Kelly remarks about, wow, Bud really went into a lot of trouble to fake this tornado. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what was going on. Because all of a sudden, it they don't give, they don't give enough time before, they don't give enough setup to Bud doing this, and they don't give enough time in between the setup to showing the gradual buildup. All of a sudden, the tornado has just happened. Looks like we made it just in time, Ariel. That tornado's gonna hit any second now. But there's not a cloud in the sky. Well, haven't you ever heard of the calm before the storm? No. But then I just realized the Olsen twins are two people. <laughs> <laughs> look, why don't you just take a look outside and you tell me what you see, okay? thunder yeah sure except in in very bad storms when the positive and negative ions make everything you know kooky wow it's getting really windy out there bud you better bring those fans in before they blow away (laughs) i just put those fans out there to create a counter vortex to the tornado You are so smart and sexy. Don't know what you see in me. Hmm. Hopefully me in a minute. (laughs) The jokes between Bud and Ariel are hilarious in the basement. I love these two. And I would have totally loved for Ariel to be Bud's, like, continuing girlfriend nonstop. They have good chemistry, uh, great comedic time in between each other. I loved Ariel going, wow, the wind is so big. You better take those fans inside before they blow away. <laughs> See, like, like, you know, they play up the dumb blonde trope, but she's not like stupid all the time. I mean, no, because she, she does realize, hey, doesn't lightning come before thunder? <laughs> That's exactly. right. I was um <laughs> I was setting up my laptop while listening to it and like just you know getting the recording equipment like put together 
and I was listening to that, and I kind of missed her her statement about lightning coming uh, before the thunder, and I only heard Bud go, but yeah, that's when the ions and the positive protons make everything go kooky. I was like, that doesn't sound right. What did he just say? (laughs) Yeah, bullshit, you know. (laughs) He's just saying something to keep Ariel entertained so he can have his way with Oh, yeah, they make a really Mm. intense... Okay, so... Uh, listeners, we're recording this. Me and Steven are recording this about 24 hours after we recorded um, Bud Hits the Books. So it kind of threw me for a loop with that heavy uh, uh, not safe for work episode with Bud making a very not safe for work joke. Um, I think Ariel goes like, um, what, what is it? Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know what you see in me. And she's like, Hopefully, me in a minute. I was like, "Whoa!" Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was a great episode. That was fun to record with Carl too, as well. Uh, this is the third appearance of Ariel, Jennifer Lyons, and she says something I thought was pretty funny. But then I just realized the twin Olsen twins are two people. <laughs> yes. Mary Kate Olson and Ashley Olson born June 13th, 1986. Also known as the Olsen twins as a duo are American fashion designers and former child actresses. The twins made their acting debut as infants playing Michelle Tanner on the television series full house at the age of six, Mary Kate and Ashley began starring together in TV film and video projects, which continued to their teenage years. Through their company, Dual Star, the Olsons joined the ranks of the wealthiest women in the entertainment industry at a young age. Uh, I don't know if you two have ever watched Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Please start. It's it's hysterical. It's like it the whole show is like this this episode of Married with Children. It's like live action family guy. It's so funny. And there's one character who's like, I have a theory for you. The Olsen twins, they're four people. Think about it. On Full House, there was one. And when there was one, there was really two. So what we see in real life with two two of them, there's really four. <laughs> and then later on in <laughs> an episode, someone was like, yeah, I, you know, I had to keep a secret with the Olsen octuplets. <laughs> they keep uh. <laughs> Yeah, and they have, you know, famously retired, uh, did not, did not return for Fuller House, which I know was a really big deal. They made references to that a lot on Fuller House, the Netflix revival. And I got to say, I think that show worked better without them. When you're doing a revival, you need your main cast. Uh, you need you need the main people. And quite frankly, they probably were the most famous people from that show. Maybe. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of Full House, the original one, but if I remember, if I remember correctly, though, they played the same character because back then, you know, when you're an infant at a certain age, that they can only be on yep. screen for so much, and quite often what they do is exactly. they get sets of twins for that. So, it, so if you brought them back, it's kind of like no, they weren't twins. You know, they would have to split the time of how much they play the name of the character. Uh, there is a uh, deep. <laughs> there's a episode. I don't know if it's still on YouTube. There's an episode of Full House with director's commentary on it, and they have. It's either Mary Kate or Ashley. I can't remember which one. One of them is on that commentary, and she goes, "All right, let's see who can do it." 
who can guess when it's Mary Kate and when it's at, and when it's me or when it's Mary Kate? And I'll let you know. Sometimes they switch us, sometimes they don't. And nobody on the set except for one of the Olsen twins could tell. All of a sudden, she'd be like, like it would be them sitting in the in the living room talking with uh, with 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 one of the with one of the girls. The camera would switch to the door and then back, and she goes. That's Ashley. And then I switch back. Mary Kate. And they're like, BS. How the heck can you tell? She's like, I know what my sister looks like, okay? That's. I think I read a while back that one of them. One of them was used for more of the comical scenes, and then one of them was used for the more serious scenes. And apparently, um, one last thing was they, they were, later on in the show, they were going to uh, only have one of them play Michelle when they were older, obviously. And I guess John Stamos stepped in and said, no, like you're, you're, and he, he at first was very apprehensive about having twins play the role. And then later on, he was like, no, you have both of them. Like for better or for worse, those two combined make Michelle. We can't Mm -hmm. just chop one of them out. We're going back to the episode. <laughs> There's not a lot of no. meat on this episode, so we got to fill it in. There really isn't. There really isn't. Uh, and it goes really mm-hmm. fast, too. It moves very fast. But we have to go back to the shoe store where Al is uh, trying to find a size five for a rather large woman. These shoes are too big. I'm swimming in them. Well, that would explain the life preserver under your dress. <laughs> on a limb here. You've never been employee of the month, have you? That's right. But if I were you, I wouldn't be going out on any limbs. (laughs) Look, I told you, I'm a five, and you are going to sell me a five if, if I have to sit here all night. So because you're mad at me, you're going to take it out on a perfectly innocent chair. <laughs> a chair that has suffered enough already. Well, I have just about had enough of you. Well, you wouldn't say that if I came with fries and a medium drink. <laughs> you know medium, the size between small and you. I'm not leaving here until you help me. Well, I don't know what I could do that God and Deal Emil couldn't, but I'll give it a shot. So, Mary with Children has a combination of fat women and angry women. Um, the angry women tend to be just larger, not fat. The fat women tend to be less angry and more just uh, mm-hmm. a force <laughs> that just like want to be, I'm not making the pun intended. Um, and this one is more angry. So if you're going to do a fat person joke and this one is like, Al literally gets his finger stuck in her shoe. Um, I'm on Stefan's side. They needed to get like a, a legitimately heavier person. I mean, they, they, they referred to her as a, yeah. Or they referred to her as a house later. I'm like, really? Yeah, put her into a comical fat suit. And I would have went with that. Then Griff comes in, and I love this conversation that they have. Griff, you got any aspirin? Or a harpoon? I'm not talking to you. I can't believe you're still whining about that little practical joke. You sent me to death row! 
I made a few close friends, and they gave you a cool nickname, Black Beauty. <laughs> Mrs. Black Beauty. <laughs> you said you wanted to remarry. Yeah, but not to a 250-pound Filipino. <laughs> Since when are you prejudiced? Well, they strapped me in the electric chair. Well, we would have rescued you sooner, but when you order a burger well done, it ought to come well done. In a few seconds, you could have cooked it on my lap. Yeah, but then where would Mr. Black Beauty sit? I love this because this is a good continuity between the last episode, final episode of season 10, when uh, Al pulled a trick on Griff, as well as uh, Officer Dan, and then he's... He's like being tried and convicted of being a cannibal killer in Chicago. <laughs> oh boy. But I like the continuity there and, and the way they talk. I mean, again, great timing between these two. He says, I'm not talking to you. Uh, he says that to Al. And Al says, I can't believe you're still whining about that little practical joke. You sent me to death row. I, I love their exchange. It is hilarious. The way they talk is just perfect and actually i watched that episode too before i watched today's that we're reviewing and i have to say most that was kelly's fault and will you please stop erasing the messages before i hear them you human futon (laughs) you didn't get any messages Believe me, with my eagle ears, I listen very carefully to each and every message before I erase them. Al, it's Griff. You gotta help me. I'm in... Mm, I'd probably be more mad. Okay, look, let's say Stefan was the one who erased the messages and got me locked up. I would be more mad at you, Stephen, if you delayed getting me out because you stopped to get a burger well done. Well, I was hungry. Hmm. Could have cooked it on my lap. Wow. The money Bud spent to get those trees to bend, he could have just paid for sex like any normal person. We interrupt Oprah for live coverage of a local twister. You know, you gotta give Bud credit. I mean, those live power lines really look like they hit that school bus. That really is a twister. Those kids really are trapped on that bus. Cool. Cool? How could you be so insensitive? This storm could preempt Oprah. But back at the house, you know, Marcy's come over and she's taken over and um, they're all putting tape on the the glass door, on their sliding glass door. That's not going to (laughs) help. I was going to say, that doesn't look like it was going to be effective. No, it's not effective at all. But... Baby! Kelly! As your civil defense blog captain, I'm taking charge. You are to follow my orders without asking any questions. So we're supposed to act like Mr. Darcy? (laughs) I said no questions. First, unplug all the appliances. Oh, I did that when we moved in. (laughs) Okay, then we've got to get to the safest place in the house. Oh, well, that would be Bud's room, because nothing ever happens down there. (laughs) All right, well, hurry. You've only got time to grab your most precious personal possession. 
<laughs> Can I take two? <laughs> Somebody help me! <laughs> then that big woman, Sandy, and by the way, she's a... Uh, has a pretty impressive internet movie database. Uh, I forgot to pull that up. Thank I was looking at stuff. two. Yeah, yeah, she has a lot of uh, one-off appearances and tons of stuff. Because I like to look at the people. Uh, we're not going to look at the scarecrow at the end. <laughs> he hardly has any acting credits at all. Donna Pironi. And her actual, I guess she was given the name Sandy in this particular episode. And she has 118 acting credits. The last being in 2022. It's not a whole lot of very prominent stuff, but looks like she's making a good living mm -hmm. being an, an actress here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a lot of one-off stuff. Oh, Jane the Virgin. I remember that show. She was in the Britney Spears music yeah. video for Every Time. That's a great music video. But anyway, I just want to bring up that she is a very prolific actress and... She was even on the Weird Al show. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and I thought she had more than one appearance on Mary with Children, but apparently maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. But I just wanted to bring that up because I want to bring up people who do have prominent internet movie database uh, resumes. I think that's pretty good. Excuse me, but am I invisible? Possibly from Pluto. <laughs> And then she says again, excuse me, but am I invisible? Al's line, possibly from Pluto. <laughs> yeah. Another fat joke. Yeah. And then you have grip outside the store and the wind's blowing around. Hey, Al! The wind is really kicking up on the food cart! I'll take a falafel! <laughs> I'll bet you would. <laughs> all right, now, look. All right, that's it. Just a minute. A little bit to leeward. Uh, there. All right, now, do me a favor. Don't stand up till I get my... <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, these feel great. Do they have a special gel lining? Yes, that's the blood spurting from my severed digit. Well, these are perfect for my flamenco class. <laughs> there was a, also something I've never seen. In, I don't recall ever seeing in Mary with Children. And that was a Zoom close-up of Al. And that's when she steps on, stands up on her feet with her shoes on and his finger's still in there. I don't think I've ever seen that. In Mary with Children, a Zoom. Usually, it's just one camera. Show. Yeah, I guess not. I think I think they just wanted to show exactly what was happening. Maybe, but I just and I love how she unusual. just like doesn't care that she's causing him pain. Like my flamenco class. It's like, uh, listeners, me and Stephen were having a little debate: is the mall inside or outside? I had that in my notes too. 
And I was like, yeah, why is it like the wind, maybe like the glass roof broke or something, so wind's coming through, I don't... You see some trees in the background, and she was like, they got trees in malls. I'm like, yeah, not in this mall, though, but like, I was like, was this always an outside strip mall? Or an outlet mall, yeah. I don't think so, because Kelly and Bud were standing in line to get tickets for something. And they do have a movie theater in there. If there's a movie theater in there, it's probably not going to be an outside mall because malls usually weren't constructed that way. I'm not de- I'm not debating you, Stephen. That's why this really confused me. <laughs> well, I mean, could could we maybe say that, like, you know, some of the windows broke, so wind was like free flowing through? Could be. That's that's that, that's all I got. That's all I got. That's probably the best thing because. Griff was talking about the food courts getting it, and that's usually where they put those glass ceilings, and that's why they had mm-hmm. trees in there, Tyler, is so you know they can still get the sunlight and grow. Well, I remember you mentioning like the guy playing the piano and spinning around while doing that. You know this- that too. Yes, very Looney Tunes, very uh, mm-hmm. uh, stock footage. I was waiting for a. Well, that like, does happen. And it comes, yeah. and it comes later on. Yeah, it does, like, full uh, circle. I remember so. seeing, there was a guy reading a newspaper flying upside down. Griff, yeah, and Griff was grabbing food that was flying around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, great, uh, great little bits. Like, uh, whatever, the scenes where people are doing stuff, they're doing it well. It's just all disconnected like al shouldn't be at work right now uh him mm-hmm. and griff should be at home barricading the house um i don't know why griff would be there come up make it up make, the no man guys uh this is the no man shelter uh keep the women out of the basement like there's a lot of you can do a twister episode totally like they show they have the props they show they have the uh the uh, the special effects and everything, and people are down for the jokes. It's just a little discombobulated. I thought it was even kind of a stretch to have Marcy. I know she's like the block captain, but it's like, why don't you just hunker down in your own basement? Yeah, make it so like Al took the door. Like, why aren't you at your own house? They're like, we can't. You took our doors and windows to barricade your own house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That been good. Yeah. But also, you have to remember tornadoes pop up all of a sudden it's not like you're going to be able to predict them very easily and they're usually up and gone within just a few minutes it doesn't last very long so it's not like hey tornadoes are coming you'll be here in two hours so al really couldn't have gotten to them and a lot of tornadoes happen after three five o'clock when it's during mm-hmm. the day because it's building yeah, up this energy. is more this is more hurricane type behavior yeah well they don't get hurricanes in um <laughs> in chicago real quick i gotta tell you this uh there's a college here in tulsa called the university of tulsa and my dad played football for him on a scholarship when he went to uh, get his pre-med degree anyway they are called the golden hurricanes ever oh, since gosh. i've been in high school i said the Golden Hurricanes is the wrong name. I've been lived in Tulsa most of my life. We don't get hurricanes. Well, it's a it's a metaphor because they're a force or whatever. Like the force of a hurricane will slam into you. I, I don't know. <laughs> You're asking for it. Calling yourself the Hurricanes, you are asking for it. But going back to the episode, 
you know, remember we have that tornado grabbing Al and lifting him and the woman up. Help me! Help me! Al, we gotta go. It's getting real scary out there. Not as scary as it is down here. Don't worry, I won't leave you, buddy. happen to make this situation any worse. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, it, it like appears and doesn't even, you know, we don't see any crash through of the uh, the store. You know, and then, of course, I don't know if the next episode will be will have any scenes at Gary's shoes, but you know, of course, it's going to be fixed right away. That is always that trope of sitcoms always gets me. That when something in the house, like a window, gets broken, you know, or like got like full house, the freaking car got backed up into the kitchen, <laughs> which happened again on Fuller House. <laughs> Poor Stephanie. Um, and then, like, the next episode, it is fixed, like nothing happened. That's not how life works. And, again, Kimmy Schmidt uh, broke that rule because there's an episode where where the character sleeps in, like, a closet with an accordion door, and someone punches a hole through it, and that hole never gets fixed for the rest of the show. It stays broken. I'm like, thank you. Exactly. Well. Sorry, that's my tirade. Well, you got to remember, Mary Jones has done this too. Tyler, you and I reviewed How Green Is My Apple a couple of years ago. Well, a mm-hmm. couple of seasons ago. And that was the same thing. They blew the roof off of a house. Uh, Al jacked up, yeah. you know, uh, Marcy and Jefferson's house. Uh, Steve's and Marcy's house was still, I mean, how do you, how they get that house back so, so quickly? But yeah, yeah well, I, I like it's it. sitcom reality. Yeah. Which is- and I like what you said, Stefan, is that when they could come up and do it consistently, you know, and refer to it, you know, like in Big Bang Theory, that elevator is always broken. Okay, Marcy, I opened all the windows, tied down the rose bushes, turned off the gas, and Cut your underwear into tiny little pieces. Why'd you do that? Because I wanted to be the block captain. Well, you're not. Hey, Mom, do you think Dad's safe from the tornado? Oh, honey, I'm sure he's protected by his cone of smell. Yeah, but what if it's like the Wizard of Oz? Really, what are you thinking? Daddy's gonna get sucked up by a tornado? spin around in the air and then land smack on some wicked witch? (laughs) (laughs) I guess all we need now is to have a house fall on us.
Kelly was worried, well, what if it's like the Wizard of Oz? And Peg says, Kelly, who are you kidding? Daddy's going to get sucked up by a tornado, spin around in the air, and then land smack on some wicked witch? That was three, two, one. Yeah, that was so <laughs> telegraphed, but it, I still think it worked well. It yeah, did. I thought it worked well. Oh, yeah. Burial with Children's bread and butter is the wink, wink, setting up a joke. Kind of like, hey, what are you going to do with that pie? And smack. like, Or earlier when he, she's like, hey, am I invisible? Like, you're just... It gives you a second to come up with all the fun things he, you know Al's gonna, about to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know they had to reference the Wizard of Oz. Of course. Yeah. And which you know what I like how it ends. I like I like the Kelly just yeah. there. That's that's really funny. Yeah. Well, uh, but also, I don't want to go into the thing about the Wizard of Oz that we have in our notes. I think everyone knows about it. But uh, and if not, go watch it. Yeah, like we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about it. Just go watch it. W- it's a good movie. I don't. I I bet the Wizard of Oz is the most seen film in American history Probably. that most people have seen. I I will bet. I will bet money. Except, except my uh, former friend's son had not seen it in the time when we were still friends because uh, he would have been terrified of the flying monkeys. So. Yeah. My, my mom took me and my brother to see that when we were little. I was probably about five or four. And they did scare me. I remember that scene scared me. They never scared me. Yeah. I had a friend who was absolutely, up until like 15, 13 or 14, we were still doing kind of like sleepovers up until like middle school and everything. And he was scared shitless about the Tin Man. Uh, like I'm not kidding man like anytime I would just pull up a picture of the Tin Man he'd be like stop it knock it off knock it off I was like really he's like yes I hid under my bed like thinking he's just this creepy dude with a face of metal and that axe he's just gonna like hack me to bits and I was like he's a good guy he's like he has no heart I was like he wants mine I'm like whoa sounds like someone someone needs some therapy My favorite character in that has always been the Cowardly Lion. He kills me every time I watch that. He always makes me laugh out loud. I love uh, the thing that scared me, and I do think if you're young enough, something is going to scare you as a kid from that movie. There's a lot of scary things. Mine were the trees. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I ripped something off of you. I'm like, oh, crap. Like, it's just... Hey, real quick. Tree hands. Real quick, you ought to watch The Return to Oz. It's, uh... No, you that, don't. That, that, that is nightmare fuel. Yes. Everything about that, that one is. is nightmare I remember I, I saw yes. that when I was in high school. It was kind of like on accident. I turned it on and it was on HBO. And I thought, man, this is really dark. I, I actually, I did not see that till I was an adult with the same... A uh, friend I just alluded to, and I mean, you know, as you know, it didn't scare. But I'm like, this is like, this would be really disturbing for kids. I can see it's why people so think this con- is. It's so confusing. I watched it uh, six months ago for a, another podcast, not that I was on, but just uh, that I wanted to listen to, and they were like, we're going to do Return to Oz. And I was like, the hell is that? And I found it, and my roommate's playing video games. I'm watching it on my TV, and he is half listening because he's curious, and it shows 
Dorothy as this little girl. And I was like, the heck? She's a little girl and everything? And he's like, yeah, man, it's a prequel. Knock it off. And I was like, I don't know. And just as he says that, you hear um, Uncle Henry go like, she hasn't been the same since that tornado. And he goes, wait, wait, what? It's a sequel? I guess I was wrong. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Dorothy, remember, Dorothy was like 12. Really, really, really little child go through all this horrific crap. And I'm just like, that's what's so upsetting about it from an adult point of view. I'm like, someone help this little girl. Like, I don't want to see this. Like, give me, get, get me a teenager that I'd be okay seeing horrified. Like, I don't want this little poor child to be upset. Uh, frankly, I thought Judy Garner was a bit of a drama queen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, yeah, sure. She is a queen. And show respect. <laughs> But it was a great thing that, uh, and then they telegraphed it again about a house falling, a a house falling on the the wicked witch, and then the woman falls down on Peg too. Great use. That made me laugh. Yeah, it did make me laugh too. I thought that was a a good point. And. I told you I was a size five. Oh, well, Al, so much for your little threesome fantasy. Well, that was no threesome, Peg. That was a fivesome. Well, why, oh, why did I have to land here? Why couldn't it have been a nice toxic waste dump? Well, it is. I think I might have cracked my pelvis. Quit whining, Al. Hey, you. I just survived Operation Dumbo Drop. I don't have no lip from you. The women are depending on us for emotional strength. It's, it's coming, Marcy! Do something quick! What'd you do that for? Well, Marcy did it, and she's the block captain. Well, she certainly has a haircut for it. refer to Operation Dumbo Drop. We've already covered it, so we're not going to talk about Operation Dumbo Well, let's get... I think we should get down to the basement uh, with the rest of the family, because... So, Kelly is... At this point, Kelly has gone off to look for Lucky. Where else are you going to put the dog when it's bad weather? (laughs) How terrible to him. Uh, (laughs) Oh, and then that was the funniest line. Wait, Wait a minute! Now, aren't we forgetting something? Wage earners before couch potatoes? No! I mean, Lucky, where is he? Same place we always put him during bad weather. Outside! <laughs> Come on, let's get in the basement! Well, I'm not going anywhere until I get Lucky. Well, that should take about 30 seconds. <laughs> and then Jefferson quips, that'll take about 30 seconds. You know, I will admit, <laughs> season 11, I will admit it right now, um... Whatever rating we give this show, uh, whatever we choose to give it a rating as, it's going to get one just for the fact that I, I... Maybe this says more about me than anything else, but she said, not until I get lucky 
for one second, my brain was like, huh, do they realize that that's a double entendre right there? And of course it is. Like the, It was so, well, rapid fire. Yeah, it was so telegraphed and rapid fired that I, it just shocked me that it was Jefferson. Yeah, okay, you didn't have a but you yeah. didn't have Bud in the room, I guess. Yeah, so. it, it sounds more like something Bud would say. Yeah, and I agree with you, Tyler. We talked about this before we got started. How that line kind of shocked me that you don't say that in front about a girl in front of her father, but she's, standing next to him. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of rem- it reminded me real quick of uh, of when Steve was still on the show. It was towards his end tenure. In rock and roll girl. The fight on yet, Al? Come on, any minute. Finally, on the lighter side of the news, the rock group The Gutter Cats are in town to tape their new video. Auditions for the role of Rock Slut were held earlier today. <laughs> yummy, yummy. <laughs> Eager young women came from as far as Bloomfield Hills, Michigan to give their all for The Gutter Cats. Oh, man, look what it looks like before you marry it. (laughs) I'm telling you, Al, rock is where it's at. Did I ever tell you I was in a rock band in high school? Even had a cool name, the Tuxedos. (laughs) Steve, I'm trying to watch the girls. Yeah, gradually, though, I split from the group. Creative differences. Well, actually, not enough parts for my instrument. But you haven't lived till you heard my solo on Grazing in the Grass. My sousaphone wailing. <laughs> the crowd on their feet. Steve, shut up, will you? Okay, but it's a good story. Hey, look at that blonde all over the singer like a coat. Oh, boy, I'd like to give her a... <laughs> Oops, sorry, Al, that's your daughter. Hey, stop that. Stop that, Kelly. Hang on, pumpkin. Daddy's coming. I'll be right there. Stay there, pumpkin. Daddy's coming. <laughs> there was another one in Sukasa his casa. Come on, son, let's roll. No way. The car's mine tonight. Come on, Daddy. If not, I have to stand on a street corner and listen to guys yell insulting and degrading remarks and make kissing sounds. <laughs> I'm sorry, honey. We didn't know it was you. <laughs> Steve and Jefferson had their differences in that. You take this walkie-talkie with you and call us if you need help. Okay. Well, you know what? I better take this one just in case this one breaks. Well, good luck and good speed. And remember, we're all in this together. Hey! Let me get! I am your block captain! I am your leader! You will die without me! put on here too with you know jefferson not and then immediately after he's a part of this joke you know where they you know trap marcy upstairs and you know they open up the door when she's about to run through and he's he's a part of that i'm like that's your wife i mean i i get you know we the constantly you know where he 
will laugh at Marcy when Al makes a quip and, you know, when she's not looking. And then when he turns, he's like, Al, stop that. That's me. <laughs> but that one, it just was obvious. I found it. I did also found it funny. Right before they lock her out, she's saying, we're all in this together. And then they slam the door on her. Again, telegraph, but I thought that was good timing. And then they didn't use a dummy this time. When they finally, when Marcy threatened to uh, bowl over the door, Al obviously opened it and she went down and flipped over the railing. That was a stunt. That was a stunt, man. Yeah. And I want to comment, speaking of Amanda Beers slash Marcy, now with this season, with her haircut, she really looks like a teenage boy, like big time. Like it's it's like I, I think they probably did that for the show. It it's like big time. And Kelly, is it just me or does Kelly look a lot older this season? L- l- like 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 noticeably, one hundred percent. Yeah, like but I'm like wow. Like when I watch yeah. it, I'm like holy crap, you got some line. I mean, she still looks great, but I'm like God, you got some. You got a couple lines there, honey. Maybe it's just you know HD. I, I, I'm not. Mm. I think it's also the hair and the uh, and the outfit she's wearing, which which was the style of the time. Like flip on any other show, you would see women dressed. I am not shaming similar. anyone for you know looking old. I'm just saying she looked a, noticeably a bit older. And between you know what six months between when the last episode and this episode was filmed, it was noticeable. I, I made a comment in a previous show where. She's turning into a woman. And I think she mm-hmm. looks better as a woman than what she did during her so-called oh, definitely. teen years. Uh, can we say better or just different? But uh, <laughs> um, I, her position in the family is also changing as well, too. There are way more instances where she is on level with Al and Peggy. Uh, usually in the aspect of making fun of Bud. There's less Bud and Kelly, and there's more of her with the adults. Bud is still doing his own thing as a college boy. So I do see them kind of slowly shifting the arc of where the, how the characters and the relationship... I love how they rip on together. Bud at the beginning. And by the way, remember, Bud is no longer a college boy. He just graduated. Uh, you, you live in the basement. You're still a college boy, kind of. I guess so. I guess (laughs) now we're in the basement and they bring up something that made me very mad. And Steven, you know me. I don't like when something is like introduced at the end of an episode where it's really good and just makes me wonder why the heck wasn't this all the episode? And that is girls getting horny during a storm. Yeah, well, imagine how I feel. We're in the middle of something here. This is an emergency. Please put on your pants. There's a twist coming. There isn't. I just rigged up some hoses and fans to trick Ariel into sleeping with me. Yes, bud, but in the meantime, a real storm blew in. I went to all this trouble for nothing? (laughs) Bud, you're obscene. Who could possibly get turned on in the face of disaster? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I'm not turned on. I just... 
Need shelter. You could be a tree or a garage or... A laundry folding wimp. <laughs> Women, be brave. There is no reason to lean on us or touch us in any way. For once, I agree with Al. As your civil defense block captain, there will be no sex during the storm. Yeah, I I never heard that. It's complete bullshit. Um, this is it. This is straight off of Pornhub. Like this is a thing. Like oh, I'm so scared. Big strong man, help me! But it's so wacky. It is perfect for Mary with children. Why the heck wasn't Kelly and her boyfriend, Bud and Ariel, uh, Jefferson and Marcy and Al and Peg? all down in this basement. This could have been a, a scent centered locked episode where all of them are hunkered down and uh, Jefferson and all the boys are sitting together and like, guys, you ever read that study where this happens? And the rest of it is them like barricading themselves off and the women are becoming more aggressively ferocious. I don't know. That would have been hilarious. It might have been, but you have to remember, Bud realizes, hey, I did all this for nothing. I just set up something to have sex with Ariel, and she slaps him at least twice. You know, because at one yeah. point he says, so I did this for nothing. Yeah, and I didn't like that. It was uh, it it was reminding us of the very silly opening to how he got Ariel in here, which he doesn't seem to... he really doesn't seem to have to no, trick her. No. Like she seems to be down for the for the big D. Like so it that's that's what that's what bugged me. It worked with the last episode you and me and Carl did, Steven, because she was still kind of like a study buddy and everything. She hadn't slept over yet. Yeah. But once once you sleep over and you still going over to this guy's house, like you're down. Like come on. And then a tornado does something that they talk about because they have that scene, you know, where Al is with Peg and Peg was and Jefferson is with with Marcy. And in that scene, you might notice it's only on Marcy because she's wearing that stupid vest, you know. Oh, that, summer that was great! All, I cracked yeah. up hard. Yeah. And this, it's like, okay, <laughs> yeah. you're um, I know it's dark. And you can't see anything other than Marcy's vest, but it's like, it's like, Peg, your son is right there. He can hear it. I'm like, which is why this can't be out of nowhere at the ending. You could set this up and have like them slowly building up to it, where it wouldn't be. It's still weird. But you're already invested, so you're not realizing how weird it is that uh, all these all these women with the familiar relations and neighborly relations they have with each other are just like, 
yeah, let's 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 get our guys. Well, I guess it's safe enough to go upstairs now. But be careful. There could be loose beams. <laughs> oh. oh, damn, door is jammed. Move aside, Marcy. Let men handle this. That's Jefferson. Right. That's right. Bud. That's right. Let's go. Hang up. What? What? No, 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 Damn door. Damn Bud's head. Damn soft spot that never healed. Try it again. Al, put him down. All right, go with it. Furniture must be blocking the door. I hope my couch is okay. There must be another way out of here. Hey, Al. How about the secret way out? Now, don't panic, Jefferson. You're right. After all, Kelly knows we're down here. Right, and as soon as she remembers... Help! Help! And then they do do have another problem before they go to the final solution, is that they can't get out of the basement. Something's blocking it. And what is Peggy worrying about? Her couch. Remember that? And I love it also earlier, she was worried about that could preempt Oprah. <laughs> but, you know, they, so the solution to try and help out is to uh, go upstairs, Alan Jefferson pick up Bud and start ramming his head into the door. Damn head. Damn soft spot that never healed. Damn door. <laughs> and then we get another stunt. Actual stunt man. And I got to tell you one thing, because I do this all the time. I adopted that owl mannerism of saying damn woman or damn steps or something like that. Because quite often, every day when I go to work, I have to climb these steps and they seem very steep. And I'm climbing them and I'm thinking, damn steps, damn knees, damn back. (laughs) I can't believe you were at one point going to be a pastor, Stephen. I love every time he brings up that. It's it's so funny. <laughs> you know, it's just, well, you got to remember, pastors need to be real. And when, when I was a pastor, one thing I hated was I'd say, yeah, I'm a Methodist minister. And all of a sudden people would get quiet. Oh, okay. Well, I go to that church down the street. Well, it's a synagogue, I would probably say, or something <laughs> like that. Or that I need to start going to church or something like that. And that was one thing I really did not like about being people kind of like tiptoe around you. That, yeah, they tiptoe around me. One of my favorite parishioners I ever had, and it was out in Western Oklahoma. His name was Jimmy Lively. Whenever I come over to visit him, he would he would turn over his shoulder and he says, "Honey, hide the beer of the pastor." <laughs> <laughs> and they didn't mind being real around me a lot. That's what I liked about Western Oklahoma. They're a lot more real. It's a norm. It's a normal reaction to, I will call it, people of the cloth, because like All in the Family had an episode where a nun, yes, a, not in her habit, there she's like, uh, uh, Archie says something a little vulgar, uh, and uh, she goes, this is a nun, and she goes, oh, I'm sorry, uh, sis, I didn't recognize you dressed like a normal civilian. Yeah, that's it. You know, it's hard to see a pastor 
like at the movies or something like that and oh you like that kind of a movie yeah i love those you're obviously you're obviously judging me right now for some the, sin the, that the I'm The pastor doing. at my church growing up, they were um, him. Him and his wife were good friends with with my mom because uh, she she and my mama worked together, and they they at least on one occasion went to like a blues concert together. You know, and yeah, oh, yeah. it's like you know you go, yeah, your people all the time, and I I had a. Uh, I went to a Catholic school briefly and one of my classes was taught by a nun and you know she I never I never saw a nun in a habit ever or or we had a monks as like uh, were like our RAs kind of and they were well yeah they, they didn't live and live there it wasn't creepy like you know that and they not the stereotype they yeah and, and you know they they never you know they were cool like hey you know yeah it's yeah, they get it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, and that's it. You want to be with people, and you just don't want to be phony around you. I also did some chaplaincy stuff, and the big difference between a chaplain and a minister is that a chaplain, well, people don't have to worry about you using, you know, they don't preach. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to worry about being uh, in a sermon illustration. I think that's yeah. part of it. The chaplain goes to institutions. A couple of funny things about that. Um, First of all, when I was going to seminary, you were required to do two supervised ministries. One was in in some sort of institution, like, say, uh, a hospital or um, maybe, uh, you know, a place of work, like a fire station or something like that, or even in the military. You know, we had a lot of people who wanted to be military chaplains. And one of my friends did one at a mental institution in Lexington, Kentucky. And one day we're sitting around the dorm and he was talking about doing his supervised ministry. And he said, you know, all these pastors talk about preaching Jesus. I want you to know I've met Jesus three times. Mm. (laughs) Think about that. You know, he's he's at a middle institution. Of course, he's going to meet Jesus multiple times. I forgot that it was, I forgot it started at a mental institution. I was waiting for like the punchline, and then I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. that's a joke. (laughs) Right. Uh, Maybe I said it wrong, but. It's not worry about petty shit. One reason why, uh, there are a couple reasons. One, I won't get into. It's a little bit personal, very personal matter. But in the Methodist church, first of all, quite often you have these two or three charge appointments where you pastor in two churches or three. And that second appointment I had was a two point charge. I would preach at the mutual church at, uh, or, yeah, preach at the mutual church at nine and then preach at the Sharon, Oklahoma church at 11. And both were just, uh, mutual is further out from Woodworth and Sharon. And we had a lot of people moving into the Sharon area. And when you're Methodist, you have this thing called apportionments or taxes for being a Methodist, I guess you can call it. It's about 20% of your church budget. And both the churches had been paying their apportionments very well. And uh, th- that was one of my goals was to help them pay the apportionments better. And it did get better. And Mutual Church paid off its appointment apportionments completely in the year of 1997. Now, the ch- church in Sharon, they... Um, they were seeing some growth. I mean, I saw some families coming in and joining 
a couple, I had about three families, I think. We started children's ministry. They were doing it on their own for kids after school. And, but they didn't quite pay all their apportionments, only about 85%. Of course, we're also doing some building things. The building needed some upgrades. Well, guess which um, church got a letter from the bishop of Oklahoma congratulating them and praising them for uh, doing the work of God, the mutual church. No conversion, no growth, none at all, but they paid their So that was really grated on my nerves. Uh, in Methodist church, the um, bishops, usually over a state or a section of the state, that's what they're concerned about, paying the apportionments. I didn't want to do that. I think I've done more good as a teacher. I'm sure you have. Honesty. And that's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's it, it. you'd use similar skills, I feel like, in both. Yeah. And you do learn a lot about how people learn. I think, though, the audience probably wants us to get back to talking about the episode. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. weird. I can outrun a tornado, but I can't catch the damn dog. Maybe I'll try chasing the tornado for a while. Yeah. Okay. Here, Twister. Come on, Twister. Here. Then we, we, have, we missed, so Kelly chasing after Lucky, and then she starts chasing the, the tornado. In my opinion, that was a stretch even for her lack of intelligence. I'm like, uh. Um, she doesn't know how to spell cat. So, like, or wait, no, that's, she's proud that she can spell that. I'm not sure, Stefan, that this is too out of the You know, it's, it's you know, <laughs> biological human nature to avoid, you know, something dangerous like that. So even if you're not smart, I, feel, I, I don't know, I feel like. But Kelly, when she gets focused on something, whether it be uh, saving Lucky or getting Lucky, ba-doom-psh nothing can really kind of divert her attention away unless it's unless it's garfield and then her comment i cannot run a tornado but i can't catch lucky i'll start chasing exactly (laughs) really well the 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 show is the episode is twisting apart literally It, it, it was a fun it was a funny visual i'll give it that and then the guy on the radio says that the tornado is going to double back they don't do that <laughs> but still it's, it's <laughs> tornado that double back but we're talking about marrying with children it's going to be an f5 and he's probably referring to the um what's it called it's called the enhanced fujita scale the fujita scale was made in 1973 to measure tornadoes and it was based upon how much they eat they don't assign that f scale until after the tornado and the ex and the experts determine how much it eats and mm-hmm. EFUs are called unknown. There's no variable damage if a tornado happens. There is an EFO. That includes zero. I mean, EF zero. 65 to 85 mile an hour winds. They cause light damage. There are EF1s. Now, this is where most tornadoes fall in, are EF1s. Close to like 60% of them. 86 to 110 miles an hour, and there's moderate damage. EF2s Damn. have 111 to 135 miles an hour winds. Can, they have considerable damage, and they're the second highest. About uh, one-third of all tornadoes can get that high. 
And then there are EF3s. Now a good EF3 will cause severe damage, 136 to 165 miles an hour winds. There's EF4s, can uh, they cause really bad damage, 166 to 200 miles an hour. And then there are EF5s. Those are less than 5% of all tornadoes. They can cause over 200 miles an hour winds. And they cause... Now rip your skin off your face. Yeah. Well, to give you an idea of how bad that can be is back in 1999, Oklahoma had one of its worst uh, outbreak of tornadoes. And one EF5 tornado, the wind speeds were so high recorded that a couple of meteorologists, one from, or both of them from our state, considered classifying as the first EF6 because its winds were over 300 miles an hour. Holy crap. And my cousin, Ryan, he worked for State Farm Insurance at the time as an adjuster. So, of course, he has to go out there and survey the damage. And this is something you don't hear about in the news. Uh, when I was in emergency medical services, yeah, you would see this. But he said... It's shocking to look down and see, like, a body part, like an arm, that have been ripped off by the wind. Yeah, yeah, like, 300 miles an hour, that's enough to, like, break concrete. Yes. Like, and real quick, that tornado was a mile wide, and it was on the ground for three hours. Holy crap. Yeah. And those are the types of tornadoes we can get here. It's amazing. Uh, and one more little thing. You know, we were talking about Twister at the beginning. You might remember um, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who plays um, Dusty, I think is his name, has an OU cap. That takes place in Oklahoma. If you ever watch your TV with tornado and thunderstorm warnings and you see the radar and you're showing all that stuff, all that stuff comes out of the University of Oklahoma. It is the top weather school in the entire country, perhaps even the world. Hmm. I am not kidding. Yeah, I knew when I was going to OU, I knew... So many meteorology majors as far away as Hawaii, Alaska, and even met a few from uh, one from India and at least two from Europe. We and we had one of the deadliest tornadoes, one of them, not the deadliest, but uh, the one that happened in Woodward. And that's where I was, it was near there where I was pastoring, there where I was pastoring. And I learned about that and they celebrated their 50th anniversary of that terrible tragedy when a lot of people died. So, yes, tornadoes really big impact all over the u.s you know they're actually pretty mm -hmm. unique to the united states and canada they do happen in other yeah. continents but man you know we get a ton of them in fact i wanted to ask you guys i wanted to tell you guys this one of my first memories was the 1974 super outbreak you're probably wondering what that is. The 1974 super outbreak was the second largest tornado outbreak on record for a single 24-hour period, just behind the 2011 super outbreak. It was also the most violent tornado outbreak ever recorded with three with uh, 30 F4s or and F5 tornadoes confirmed. It happened from April 3rd to April 4th, 1974. There were 148 tornadoes confirmed in 13 states and the Canadian province of Ontario. And I remember that. That was I was seven years old, and my father was a doctor. My parents were still married, and he was called to the hospital because of a massive influx of people in the emergency room. So we stayed there, and it was frightening. I remember 
after a while, the lights went out even at the hospital. And I started looking for my dad, and he was out with another doctor, a friend of his, Dr. Lothridge. And they were pointing at these hills that weren't too far away. And I saw my first tornado. This tornado came down as the dust went up, and I saw a roof ripped right off a house. Seven years old. Wow. Yeah. I was curious if... And it's... Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, from a safe distance. (laughs) Well, Stefan, you can enjoy that without me, because one of my life goals is to never see a tornado (laughs) in person from any distance. Uh, Well... (laughs) Not to, real quick, not to brag, but uh, uh, one occurred just a couple years ago in 2019. My upstairs neighbor, I live in a condo, he was scared enough to come down here. This tornado, we're watching it on the radar, was just across the river from us. And it was like on a path toward us. So we were pretty nervous. That was one. Also, um, it was in 1987, I think. Yeah, I was on the student newspaper, and I was a photographer, and I was a sophomore in college, and I just got on the student newspaper staff as the photographer. Well, there was a tornado warning issued for Cleveland County, which is where OU is, and we were told to go down to the first floor in the basement. I thought, I'm going to go get my camera and see if I can't get a picture of this. And so I'm kind of moving around the RAs and getting past everyone, and I open up the door, and the wind just thrust me back into the wall and I saw a funnel cloud, you know, several hundred yards away above me. And I thought to myself, fuck that. I'm going. (laughs) You know what? I don't want to be an idiot today. I'm going to go back inside. (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, two years ago, Michigan, Michigan does not where I live does not have a lot of tornadoes. We have a lot of tornado. We have a lot of tornado watches, but they're rarely ever happen when they they appear and then they vanish very quickly because of the Great Lakes and the valley like structure of Michigan. Tornadoes don't have a long life when they they touch down. They usually last like forty five minutes. But about oh, that one, most of them don't last that long. I mean, okay, well, not forty. No. The watches last like forty five minutes. I'm sorry. The oh, the actual okay. twisters oh, last okay. maybe like a minute or two. I want to put this out there for any listeners. If you ever encounter a tornado warning when you're in your car, do not get under an overpass. Do not. That is a very dangerous thing. I got popularized after a video back in 1991 showed a family seeking refuge underneath there. They thought, oh, that'd be a good place. It really isn't because there's so much debris. Yeah, well, the debris is what kills a lot of people. Mm-hmm. hitting people and that's the thing and that, that that couple was lucky so i'm just saying if you ever have a tornado warning when you're out in your car what you want to do is find a place that is like a recess like a ditch or something like that and try and get in that ditch stick your between your legs and kiss your ass goodbye right yeah oh when we have tornado <laughs> you know we have to have those tornado warning drills at school and I always pull this when they tell the kids, okay, we're going to have a tornado drill today. Y'all know what to do? Yeah, we go downstairs and get in the office and put our head down between our arms. I said, no, you grab your phones, run outside and try and get a video of it. That would be me. That would be me. Uh, that would be me. I would do that. Yeah, I remember they, fer- they referred to in Twister the F5 as the finger of God. Remember that's how they described it? Yeah, they did. And... 
It's the finger of God. I love Bill Paxton saying that. That is so good. I miss I'm, him. I'm, I am due for a Twister rewatch soon. Yeah. These, spe- these special effects still hold up uh, pretty well, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think, though, that we're probably boring the uh, our audience. We have been way off topic. I think we need to go back to the episode where Marcy wants to play some games now. Since we're stuck here, we might as well play Mad Libs, okay? I need a verb. Clock. <laughs> okay. Somebody give me a command. Cluck you. <laughs> I like you. You know, perhaps Mad Libs is just a little too advanced for you people, so let's just play 20 questions, okay? Who'll ask the first question? Go to hell. That's not a question. Why don't you go to hell? I really like you. I'm good at games, except I always lose at strip poker. Game time is over. Marcy. Wants to play games. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I tell you, this is one of the best exchanges. And what I love here about this, you know, because she says, someone give me a verb. Al, cluck. Marcy says, okay, now someone give me a command. Ariel says, cluck you? It is It is an adorable interaction between the two of them. It it just puts, it's, uh, it, it's so, it feels so genuine. I, I love it. I do too. And if I was watching this uh, back when it was first airing, I, that would give me the idea that Bud and Ariel are going to get married. Uh, maybe, yeah. And then, but then she says, "Let's play twenty questions." Now, who wants to start? Al says, "Go to hell." Mary says, "Or Marcy says, that's not a question." And Ariel says, "Why don't you go to hell?" And then Al says, I really like it. See, Ariel's not so stupid. <laughs> she gets it. No, she's not. <laughs> no, she got she's got Bundy smarts. And we're, let's speak speaking of Bundy smarts, so And it's kind of weird because at first I'm thinking, okay, you have Kelly and Ariel together, two blonde airheads. And it seems like Ariel is actually smarter oh, than Oh definitely. Kelly. Absolutely. I don't know, man. I'm, I still can't get the image of her smacking her arm around uh, Ariel and butt hits the books going, so you banged my brother. Good for you. Like, it just, just, ooh. Uh, I think you need one blonder. I think it was a smart move to get Kelly out of the basement because there's also no love interest for her down there. No, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Well, what little there is left because we're down to the final, uh, final show, which... I think uh, we already brought up the, the 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 women being horny and everything, and it's and can I just say they're acting like Peggy and Marcy acting horny, they they pretty terrible acting for both of them. It's like they're doing improv. Yeah, yeah, yes. And someone yes. just said, "Now you're horny." Go. Yeah, I mean, with with Marcy, it's you know kind of understandable. Let's face it, but. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, 
Oh, she plays horny very well. Oh, there. she has. She has. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're talking about playing the games, and Ariel says, "Why don't we play strip poker?" Although I always lose. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's so fa- that was good. <laughs> but already had the chips in his hand. You know, he already had the chips there, and he put it in. And now Jefferson. Jefferson had the around. visor. How often do you like who? Who the hell carries yeah. one of those at all times? Oh man, that was great. Great continuity with her strip studying thing. Yeah. The war on drugs? They didn't have the war after Simple Shepherd? <laughs> hey, George Washington was the first president. <laughs> but it's time for the show to come to an end. Which is, it yeah. ends in a weird, weird, I did, you know what? I'll give him props. I didn't see it coming. Perhaps this would be a good time to hand out the food. Okay, but supplies are limited, so we're going to have to pace ourselves. <laughs> Mmm. Mmm. Mm. Good powdered turkey. <laughs> You're supposed to dissolve in water first. Oh. Yeah, I thought the turkey was a little dry this year. <laughs> hey! Open up the powdered yams! Al, I can't believe you'd expect me to cook at a time like this. <laughs> Well, it's not over yet, folks. That tornado that hit Cook County is expected to double back at Force 5. Force 5? That's five times stronger than the last one. (laughs) Dear God, no. I can't live through that again. The darkness, the cold, the awful suction. (laughs) I'm not talking about the tornado, Al. Neither am I. Yeah, I know that we swore on a stack of biggins to keep the secret way out a secret, but... You're right, Jefferson. This is a matter of life or sex. You got your key? Always. On my mark. Hey, Jefferson, hurry up. You realize we may never see our wives again. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I think we made it, Jefferson. It was very much like a just throwing anything against the wall at this point. And, and I, I know I use this term a lot when I talk about the show, especially, you know, with season 10 and 11. I think between the CGI, the secret passageway, and then Bud, you know, breaking the fourth wall at that one point, because he looks at the camera directly after Ariel says something. Do you remember that when she first arrives? He does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is the, the show's, I would say, jumped the shark by this point. I feel that way. Oh, it jumped a thousand sharks way before this point. Um, a few oct- also a few octopuses and killer yeah, whales, exactly, you know, yeah, and a maelstrom. But yeah, they have that secret passage, and you, 
the music that they had with it is sounded to me like, you know, a takeoff Mission Impossible. And the first Mission Impossible did come out that year. Mm-hmm. And that was a big uh, success of a movie. I like that Jefferson had to swipe a card that he had and Al had to put in a password that he knew, meaning this passageway would only work if both of them were there. <laughs> right. And this is this is never brought up, never brought up, and it will never be brought up again, the secret passageway that has always been there, evidently. Because it goes right to the jiggly room. Into the stage. I love that. <laughs> Into the floor of the stage. And, the gir- and nobody blinks an eye. The girls continue dancing. Obviously, this has happened before. It... That you know what the fact that it opened up to the jiggly room where no one seems to care that there's a twister outside, as <laughs> I, I I liked it. Yeah, it must have dissipated by this point, or else it was. Uh, uh, I mean, how how far underground did they walk? Like several miles? Like yeah, they must have. Yeah, they must have walked that yeah. for a few miles. But then we have the other ending that's tacked on. <laughs> I liked both of them. You just need one, though. Yeah. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. It's not fair. The cowardly lion got courage, the tin man got a heart, and you got a brain. How about a little fire, Scarecrow? What what the wizard give you? Physical. I was kind of shocked that, you know, the scarecrow was talking and he got a brain, but didn't Kelly need one too? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Don't you think? And I love at the end of this episode how the last shot is the tree <laughs> grabbing Kelly. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's so great. It mm-hmm. is hilarious. Even the trees are sexually assaulting Kelly. <laughs> Which is, that's what scared me when I was a kid. I was like, poor Dorothy, they're going to like, they're going to put their tree hands on her. Ugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I per- but she got, yeah, she got a physical <laughs> from the oh. uh, Of course. <laughs> I Some splinters. I say, like, I proposed, I would propose dropping that whole secret passageway, having them look terrified that the girls are about to like, you know, jump them. And then they're like, I hope Kelly's very better than we are. And then it just shifts to her literally in the land of Oz getting groped by that tree and then have credits. I agree. I think the writers did not know how to end it. They didn't know how to start it. They didn't know how to continue it. And they didn't know how to end it. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Okay, we're back. Stefan, how many fingers are you going to put in a shoe of a fat woman? I'm going to put uh, three fingers into the shoe of a quote-unquote fat woman. Um, I think that, you know, there were some very good visual gags. 
uh, a few good quips, like with uh, you know Alan Ariel. Uh, she she was great, by the way. She you know, and it was it was surprising to, for me to realize she was only in three episodes of Married with Children. It seemed like she had a bigger presence, um, especially because it was spread out between season ten and eleven. Uh, but I mean, I thought, yeah, like you like you were saying, Tyler. They this episode they didn't know how to continue nor end it, uh, and the ending was kind of like a weak cop out. Uh, yeah, so I, I, to me, it lost it lost some steam pretty quickly, but it did have some memorable moments. So yeah, that's why I give it. Excuse me, uh, three fingers. So Tyler, how many fingers are you going to put into the shoe of a fat woman to rate this episode? Hmm, well, I am going to put two and a half fingers into this fat lady's quote-unquote fat lady's shoe i guess we'll say two fingers and a thumb since the thumb's not really a finger but yeah sadly enough um going from a really banging episode (laughs) pun intended to but hits the books to this one which is it's it's kind of sad because it really just shows me what i'm missing there is a lot of good raw material here, but it doesn't seem like they knew. It, it seemed like there was a bunch of writers trying to like argue the tone of where the show should go. Steven brought up the uh, great idea of how a tornado is categorized. You categorize them after it's over, not while it's happening. Um, that's a hurricane. You can do that. As well as the activity, uh, as as well as how the tornado is moving and operating, how it's a force and building up. Again, it seems like they wanted to do a hurricane episode, which you could do, but you're going to have to explain how that's going to happen in Chicago. So if you're stuck with Twister and doing your Twister parody, you've got to do great special effects, which... Not bad effects for a TV show budget. I kind of liked it. Uh, standalone scene jokes. Uh, interactions with... Uh, were good. Interactions with Al and Griff. Solid. Interactions with the Jeffersons and the Bundys. Good. I Ariel is a shining beam of light. I love her so much. Would have loved to have her be Bud's, like, eventually wife. Um, again... It just, it was so fragmented that it was just, it was really hard for me to engage at all. And when I can't engage with an episode of Married with Children it, that well, it's, it's sadly under the, under the three star or three finger uh, scale. So yeah, two and a half fingers. Well, I too am going to give it three fingers. I think it is watchable and enjoyable to a certain point. It gets a little zany. I do agree. I don't think they knew how to end this one, and that's why we have the abrupt ending that we do, and then that other one tacked on. I like your suggestions on how it could fit. It's an it's an average episode, so three out of five for me. And that's all I got to say about that. So. Yeah, it's going to be a... Season 11, I do think they have some good episodes, some better ones. And the the writing, yeah, and the writing is pretty good. It's just 
the zaniness is just getting really out of hand. I recently commented on, um, oh yeah, when they were building Lucky the doghouse, and the the code enforcers talk about all the codes for a doghouse, and I thought this is getting absurd, and that really kicked me out of it. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope y'all come back next week. And Chris and Luigi are going to be reviewing Children of the Corns. Gary declares a sales contest between Alan Griff and the winner gets a raise. However, an appearance of an immigrant child who works for Gary's illegal sweatshop gives Al a better idea than selling shoes. So, hope you come back. And remember, there is no place like home. I'm melting! Melting! Oh, what a world! What a world! Who would have thought a good little girl like you could destroy my beautiful wickedness? Why don't you go to hell?